Hi, everyone. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on Land of Israel Network. It is early in the morning, November 22nd, 2022, 28th day of Cheshvan, 5783. Next couple days, the, Jew, the Jewish calendar year reflecting the new month of Kislev, which means that Hanukkah is right around the corner. Even though I landed here just yesterday, after two weeks in the States, talk about that in a minute, and it was beautiful outside, left Newark, New Jersey. It was 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Landed in Israel, and it was 30 degrees centigrade. So it was a nice homecoming, although now it looks like fall is setting in. So I got that little brief flurry of, this is why I live here. It is so warm, and the sunlight is so amazing. Of course, I live here for many other reasons, but it was definitely a nice welcome home. Um, pretty intense trip. Uh, wasn't able to do a podcast last week. Was just caught with different time zones and different things going on. Uh, intense good and intense bad. Uh, saw family, which is always wonderful. Really relatives that I love very much. Um, also found out that someone whom I love very much um, is uh, is dealing with a, a crisis. And, uh, and of course, that needs to be prayed for and is very much on my heart and my mind and makes me realize, if I didn't realize it before, and we should all realize it, how precious every day is. In Hebrew, we say when we get up in the morning, modani, like, thank you, God, um, for just putting, putting my breath back in me. And, um, and that's how we start the day. And maybe that should be enough. It's not enough. Of course, we all have things that we have to do. But um, actually, that's kind of the theme of today's podcast is entitlement and lack of gratitude, something that I unfortunately encountered when I was in the States. I realized it's been... Um, you know, because of COVID and all that. So it's been a while since I really went out and, and spoke. I speak here in Israel, obviously, when I'm guiding and I speak and I teach. I realized how difficult it is to take it on the road. I also realized how important it is to have somebody from Israel, lives in Judea and Samaria, who um, understands a lot of the nuances here of life in the Middle East and also a lot of history. And um, that's what my brain is packed packed with. Um, and also also understanding to some degree or being able to explain at least why people do things and not just what they do. So um, even though it's physically difficult, uh, it's something that I think that I should be doing more of. So if that's something that you want, if you want to shake up your congregation or your community or your church or your synagogue or whatever it is, drop me a line and let's see what we can work out um, in the coming months because there's so much misinformation out there. And what is even more appalling is, uh, well, there's a few appalling things. One is that people think misinformation is truth. And two is, and maybe that's even worse, they're not even looking for the information. Um, They're either distracted by whatever it is that's going on that's like super important, like their Twitter feed or their Instagram, or just not even interested, thinking that you could just at least float around in some kind of bubble and things aren't happening in the world around. And that is perhaps more dangerous. Like, oh, there's something's going on in Iran. Yeah, something's going on in Iran and something's going on all around the world. And yeah, there are major energy shortages in Europe because of what's happening in Ukraine. So most, as, long as, there, as long as you can go into Trader Joe's and the shelves are full and uh, you know everything is still, you can still go into the stores and get your favorite brand of sneakers, then everything should be fine. I'm talking about the United States right now, or at least the East Coast which is where I was in certain parts of it. It's dangerous. It's so, so, so dangerous. 
Um, and I just want to sometimes like stand on the street corner and say, everybody, wake up, wake up. You're, this is not going to last. You're going to wake up one day and not understand what happened. And it might happen anyway, but at least understand what's going on. There's a naivete that that is frightening. And like I said, some of it is is intentional by people out there trying to keep people from knowing the truth. Um, and that's never good. That's never good. And I see lots of discussion about the Bible and about Torah and, and about like why the Bible is so raw and honest and even it seems cruel at some point and that's because that's the world and and I think that what the Bible does and and what the Jewish people were mandated to do although I'm not so sure that we do such a great job of it I'm sure actually that we don't do as good a job as we should is to bring that out to say to people this is this is what's happening this is human nature uh, understand it, deal with it, try and stop it if it's bad. But if you don't even realize that it's out there, how are you ever supposed to deal with it? So uh, my talks were really like a blend of a lot of that, of Torah, of realpolitik, of day-to-day, of of psych, of why people do things. Um, and uh, and I don't know if anybody else does it. No, no one else is in my head, fortunately for them. Um, but one of the talks that I gave in Atlanta was actually really great. I don't know remember what I said. It was just a lot of like how we got to where we are today and different things that we assumed were the reason that things happened actually weren't. And just kind of uh, just talking about some of the archaeological finds here and some of the places that I go to and what's there and what's not. It was a great talk. As a matter of fact, somebody came up to me afterwards and said it was one of the best talks he's ever heard in his life, which was really amazing. Rarely do I get that kind of feedback. Um, But really lovely people, um, a lot of South Africans who have moved to Georgia. And so they've got their perspective. And one of the great things about traveling and speaking is also listening and hearing people's stories and how they got to wherever it is that they got to everybody's got a story. I love it. Everybody didn't just end up somewhere for the most part. And um, I love that meeting people of different cultures and then their perspectives on things and their journeys um, to God, away from God, struggling with God, whatever it is, as long as, as long as he's a presence, as long as he's a force, then that's a really big thing. It's the people who think that that's not even an issue. That's what kind of scares me. You think this is all you? Really? Okay, gotcha. Anyhow, it got me away from Israel for a couple of weeks also for all the political back and forth, whatever it is, is going to be. And did have, did have to spend some time explaining to people that Israel is not descending into fascism, that st- Israel is still very vibrant democracy. They might not be happy with the results of the elections, but the people have spoken and, um, and there are still very many rules that are in play. And, uh, and so, and other people who were, of course, delighted and want to know where it was going, things don't change all that fast, all that quickly, at least not when you live in a, in a democratic country. So at all in all, it was a very interesting trip, but a little bit upsetting. I um, spoke in a Jewish day school in Atlanta, and we're talking about kids who are really very much, I'll, I'll say, living a very sheltered life. They go to a Jewish day school, probably the only people that they really know, you know, their friends and their parents' friends are, are Jewish friends, and they they go to Jewish camp, and uh, I was. But they're they're worried about anti-Semitism, as they should be. So we spoke a little bit about that. Um, but you know, you can't defend yourself against anti-Semitism if you don't really believe that it's important to be Jewish, which is one of the things that. I was trying to explain is to strengthen their Jewish identity, to strengthen their connection with Israel, 
and all of that. I found out afterwards that uh, some of the kids thought it was great and really appreciated it and took took what I said to heart. I also spoke to the parents and many of them also were really listening because they have their concerns. Um, a lot of their concerns of the parents is how even in this sheltered environment, this whole woke garbage and these liberal attitudes have crept in. I got a taste of that myself because I heard that a couple of kids, not everybody, um, that it, the word made it back to me, that a couple of kids thought that I was racist for telling Jewish kids in a Jewish school that they should strengthen their Jewish identity and when they get older, establish Jewish families. So you could laugh because you could also say they have no idea what racism means, but I'm not so sure that this isn't something that's a little uh, more out there than we'd like it to be, not just in the Jewish world, but I would say all over the place, that if you have any opinion of identity in a positive sense, not putting anyone else down, but just who you are, how you need to strengthen who you are, assuming you're a good person, of course. If you're a pedophile, I really don't think you need to strengthen your identity. And that's something that's wrong with the society is that everybody's a victim and nobody's in control of their own lives. Like there's something seriously wrong here. And you could say it's out in the fringes, but I'm not so sure that it's out on the fringes at all. And some of the parents really struggling with some of the sexual stuff that their kids are going through, like at nine years old, you know, saying, I want to be a boy, I want to be a girl. And uh, of course, what this does is lead to sterilization in people who are not even uh, old enough to even have a thought on what this means in the future. Uh, honestly, I think parents who who um, abet this, uh, I think it's child abuse to, to be able to do that. So um, there was just a lot going on there. But that that comment kind of threw me that uh, that that was racism to promote Judaism. So how are they supposed to be fighting anti-Semitism when they don't think that Judaism is important enough to defend or to have as your identity? So like, then what's the problem with anti-Semites? They're pretty much just saying what you're thinking. Um, and it's a it's really dangerous. Uh, and then you see more and more. I mean, those were the discussions when I was there, whatever their names are. I don't even want to mention their names, the sports players, because after all, people who play sports, their opinions should definitely count as intellectuals. And I'm not saying that there aren't intellectual sports players, but why does somebody who plays sports or is in a movie, why does their opinion count so much more than somebody who does like cancer research or is a teacher or maybe like has actually thought about things and isn't just putting out something on Twitter to get a rise from people, uh, even though they might have a contract um, canceled and lose billions of dollars. Like, I don't, I don't understand what is so uh, enthralling and heroic about those, those public people, that that's who we laud in today's society. Um, one of the uh, rabbis here in Efrat apparently put out, I saw while I was gone, um, Rabbi Shlomo Katz, who just has an amazing congregation here, and he himself is just a tremendous personality. And he put out something that I thought was incredible. Someone showed it to me, that um, it was right after the murders in REL, where, where three men were murdered who were doing nothing but filling up with gas or going to work, and three others were in very are still uh, fighting for their lives by a knife-wielding terrorist. And uh, he put out something like, if your minds are more on the three, I don't know, whatever those pop stars are, I don't even want to say what their names are. Everyone knows, unfortunately, sports players, if you're thinking more about those three than you are about the three men who were killed in Ariel, then there's something seriously wrong. He's 100% right. Okay, and that's where we get dragged into, even when we say we're not. Um, and it's just something is like seriously off. But um, it got it got even a little bit worse. I spoke to um, 
a place where they do Israel advocacy among kids who really are not very connected and don't know very much. These are not Jewish day school kids at all. Um, and they do a Sisyphusian job. It's called Club Z. And they've got branches. They started in the Bay Area, but they've got branches down in Florida and New York. And they bring the kids in where the kids are forced to go by their parents. We're not really sure how that goes. Um, to hear about Israel, they bring in different speakers. And I was the speaker last week. And it was interesting. Um, you know, the kids need to learn more about the history and the context. But they were polite and they were attentive. Had some really good discussions until the last meeting. Um, where there was one kid who didn't know very much at all. Um, and I find that, uh, you know, an arrogant ignoramus is probably the worst combination. But anyway, he said something to me. We were talking about Israel. We were talking about the army and, and, um, and the obligations of going into the army, even though I said that only 50% of Israelis serve in the army, which I thought was a problem because you need to give to your country. You need to connect to your country in some way. It could be national service. It doesn't have to be. And one of the kids said to me, um, he said, uh, you know, it's not good to go into the army. People come out with a lot of problems. I said, yeah, sometimes they do. It's not a great situation. It's not the ideal. But if you want to keep your country free and safe, uh, somebody has to do that. And that necessitates having an army. And he had the gall to say to me, I'm still reeling from this. Well, clearly your nationalistic impulses override your maternal instincts. If I was a violent person, I possibly would punch him in the face for that comment, especially because um, we are dealing with a daughter who is still suffering from PTSD from her army service, and it has been a very painful and long uh, ride, and uh, it's not over yet. And how could somebody say that? Like, mothers are just like willy-nilly, just tell, sending our kids to go to the army, knowing that it's not great. Do we have a choice? So I... I um, I started to answer him, but it kind of wasn't fair for me to answer him because um, it wasn't going to be a fair fight. I, I could have torn him a new one, but I, I didn't really want to do that because, like I said, it's not his fault that he doesn't know anything. It is his fault that he's got a big mouth about what he doesn't know. And the organizers did get upset with him for being disrespectful. Um, and I did say to him, like, here he is sitting in his safe in, you know, place, um, not appreciating any of the effort that has been made for him to live in a free country and be able to mouth off like that from his entitled place. Uh, but afterwards, I was thinking more because it really, really, really disturbed me. And obviously, it hit a nerve. You know, 80 years ago, would he have said to the mother in Ohio who's sending her kid to Iohima and he's never coming home? Or the mom in Wisconsin, whose son is out on Normandy Beach, and he's never coming home. Would he have said that to them? Like, oh, obviously your nationalistic impulses, because the only reason that he could sit there and mouth off and not be living under either Russian totalitarianism or the Germans or the Japanese, or why don't you just go and name any one of the miserable regimes who could have taken over America, and it would be a very different place than it is today, and it still might happen, by the way. Would he have said that to them? Is anybody happy about having to defend themselves? But I'm sure he has. He doesn't probably know anybody who's fighting in a war. He doesn't know the sacrifices that it takes in order to keep a country free and with somewhat, anyway, a freedom of speech. And I thought to myself, forget the Jewish part. Like, I don't really even care what he thinks about Israel, honestly. Um, what about the American part? Is this what American kids are thinking? The sense of entitlement? Like, not understanding um, what has gone into keeping America so great, how easily it can all unravel 
how people are just waiting, you know, yeah, there's the Atlantic Pacific, Canada and Mexico, but they only, they only protect you so much. 9-11 was the Casas Bella on American soil. That can happen again easily. Is there, is there not an understanding of how fragile it all is? Um, the, the few, because it really is the few, the majority of countries in the world and the majority of people in the world do not live in free societies. We tend to ignore them when we talk about the world. We're talking about Europe, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Israel. We're not talking about the vast majority of the world, China, Russia, almost everything in the Southern Hemisphere, where they're not, they're not free. Where they, well, we don't know what they're thinking. They're not on Twitter because they're too busy bringing up pails of water from the river because they have a terrible life and because whoever's running their regime doesn't care about them, educating their children, giving them good medical care and all just the basics that, that human beings need and freedom of religion, freedom from religion, of religion, whatever it is. And there is this appalling, appalling idea or I don't even know, like thinking or lack of thinking among people who we would say are educated, who have all the benefits of the Western world. But it's what education are they getting? What has failed here? Is it parents failed? Is the society failed? Is it a failure of not having a war every couple of years like we have here in Israel that keeps you on your toes and helps you to understand how easy it is to lose all this? You know, so in Israel, there were, there were times where I could go up to the north and I could watch Al-Qaeda bombing villages from the Golan Heights in Syria or go down south to the Negev and hear gunships and, and helicopters in the Sinai as the Egyptian military or whoever went after Daesh or some of the really bad guys who were sitting in the peninsula, not to mention daily terrorism and rockets coming over from Gaza. I mean, it's not like... We don't know what's going on here on a minute-to-minute basis. But do other people, do they realize how fragile their own societies are? They're just, they're just not paying attention. And you read about Europe and how Belgium has more mosques than churches now, how major areas of Sweden, people won't venture out, and how the continent is just being taken over. They opened the door themselves. I don't know if that makes it worse or better, that there wasn't an actual war. There was just like a slow infiltration under the guise of human rights and, and of helping others, and not realizing that it's not what you think that's important when something happens. It's how the other side is interpreting it. So you're, you're thinking it's largesse and willing, you know, willingness to help others, and they're seeing it as weakness and an ability of them to take over your society and not keep it the same society. Um, it is so frustrating, and I can't change that, and I'm not a politician, and even if I were, I wouldn't be able to change it. This is too big for any one person, even a woman, if you will. But what I can do is is try and, and sound out about it with other people who are doing the same, but, but I don't know who's listening. I don't know if enough people are listening. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're listening but am I preaching to the choir? Probably. But it doesn't matter because if you're not actively doing something, then you are aiding and abetting the people who are trying to take it all apart. And um, it's just, it's, I, I was talking to somebody, I might have mentioned this on another podcast, I don't remember, but I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago who was saying he was reading the Bible and all these awful things that happened in the Bible. 
and um, and how appalling it is, and how can we be proud of our history? And I said, you don't have to be proud of what happened 3,000 years ago, but the very fact that you're appalled over some of the things that were done shows the success of the Torah and of the message that the Torah gave, which I believe is mainly that there is a loving and just God out there, that every human being is created, every human being is created in his image, every human being is created in his image with value, the Shabbat, I think, portrays that, that everyone has the right to a day off, to rest, not just live in servitude to somebody else, no matter how powerful they are. And there's a lot of messages there that I think have gotten lost in the shuffle, have gotten lost in a lot of the details of the religions, um, including and maybe especially Judaism, something that bothers me. Like the, the bigger picture got lost here of how we changed the world how monotheism and how understanding the understanding of the God of God of the creator in a different way um, really, really changed the world so that when something terrible does happen, it is seen as being appalling, uh, a mass murder or something like that. Otherwise, in the ancient world, it wasn't appalling at all. It was just business as usual. Go read about the Assyrians. Go read about the wars that they fought and how awful it was. And uh, not just them, but not so far into our past, but the Spaniards did in South America, what the British did in Africa, all right? Some of the civilizations that we hold up now to be paragons of civilization, eh, not so civilized, uh, not so much to be proud of. There's still, there's still a long ways to go um, before we can call ourselves worthy of being human beings that God has asked us to be, has demanded that we be, has laid out the laws for. If people weren't ripping the limbs off of living animals, you wouldn't have a law against that, a biblical um, law against what's called against ripping a limb off of a living animal and eating it. If people must have been doing it, otherwise they wouldn't have said not to do it. And so it's there. The question is, do we understand it? And it's really, it's a deeper sense of... Um, the joy that we should have in creation, the joy that we should have in being human beings, the challenges for each one of us. There's not one of us on this planet that doesn't have some kind of yearning to do something that's not good for somebody else, okay? And it doesn't have to be dropping a, a major weapon, which, by the way, the only time that nuclear weapons were detonated, atomic weapons were detonated in the world was by the United States, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So we can worry about some of the other really bad people in the world. But let's not forget that. Was it justified? Well, it saved probably hundreds of thousands of American lives. So was it justified? Yeah, if you're living in Japan, though, I don't know if it was justified. Okay, it all depends on how you're looking at it. But let's just keep ourselves just a little bit humble about that. Okay, and about the things that have been done to get the world to where it is, and try and do better. And, but if we don't discuss this, and if the if the kids, especially, and it's not just the kids, don't know their history and don't know, you know, we learn just certain things and don't know the bigger picture of the history of mankind in all its horrificness and also all its glory, where where people stepped up, where people were greater than the moment demanded, which is for me. One of the major reasons that I live here in Israel, because I have seen a greatness of human spirit that defies anything, anything that can be explained, anything. Um, when people do exactly the opposite of what a normal human being would do when they run towards something bad that's happening in order to help others, when they don't think of themselves first. 
to be told by a twit, a 17 or 18 year old know nothing in New York, that that is against maternal instincts. It's incredibly hurtful and incredibly painful that it's not understood how difficult this all is. Um, but the choices, if we don't, are worse. And uh, in that pit of ignorance it, are falling a lot of people who should know better. And if they don't know better, they're going to find out pretty soon what it's really like. Um, that what we're doing here in Israel and what a lot of other countries are doing, not enough, but I would hope still the United States is holding that evil wave at bay. And it keeps coming. It keeps coming. But to not even think, not even understand the fight that you're supposed to be fighting um, is like tragic beyond words. Anyway, that was my trip to America. Home now. Have a uh, Thanksgiving Day trip. Sold out bus to Ashkelon on Thursday. And it's important that it is Thanksgiving and that we do give thanks for the freedoms that we live in. I don't live in America, and I, but I think Thanksgiving is a great holiday, and uh, we're going to have turkey and all the fixings for our Shabbat dinner, which a lot of expatriate Americans do, uh, to give gratitude for what we have, and also, like, who doesn't love really good cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie? So there's that, and then there's a Hanukkah trip about the Hashmonaim going into the area in which they live. That'll be December 21st and other things that I'm planning, and private guiding, and wonderful people who are coming here. And if they go out with me for a day, then um, their eyes are going to be opened to some things. They're not just going to see, oh, this is a really nice building, and this is when it was built. They're going to hear why it was built, and what was going on before, and what was going on after, and the context of all of that, in addition to having really great food. And just enjoying a, a country that is struggling all the time, not because anybody is demanding it of us, but because that is who we are, to be better, to do better, to set an example. Not everybody, far from everybody, um, usually the ones you're reading about in the newspaper are the ones who are not necessarily succeeding, um, but the so-called little people here are really something else, and hopefully worthy of God's love, as is everybody listening. Um, and so that's it for now. You got a half tired <laughs> Eve this week. Hope that next week I'll be more cogent and uh and also get start getting some guests back on. I've got a whole list of people that I've been wanting to interview, but everybody's busy in different time zones and all of that. So we're gonna get back on that. Um thanks to Ben and thanks to Tabitha, Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation, home again in the land of Israel. Take care, everybody. Happy holidays and goodbye for now. Every Sunday, join the Land of Israel Fellowship. This live interactive Zoom experience is hosted by Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz with participants from around the world. Enhance your faith, deepen your understanding, align your destiny with the Land of Israel. To join, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. Inviting the world to learn Torah from Judea, a new cycle, a new world.